Welcome to it, welcome to it. It is 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, so you guys know what time it is. It is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in studio with my guy, Matthew Raftery. Matt, I'm in a good mood today, man. I'm hoping that you're in, in, in as much of a good mood as I am. Is that the case? Oh, it's absolutely the case. It's a 3 and one Monday. <laughs> About to be 5 and one uh, so. man, What? I said 5 and one About to be 5 and one Aren't you skipping a number in between there? No. 5 and one Give it two weeks. Okay. Be five and one. Interesting. Um, now that I, first of all, thank you for joining us on Facebook Live because I'm about to hop right into it. Thank you for joining us on Facebook Live. If you guys want to join us on Facebook Live, you guys can do so at the Talk That Talk radio show. Once again, using those same, what is it, once again, five words, uh, you can pretty much find us anywhere. You can find us on Google Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all that Talk That Talk radio show. In addition to that, the one place that would be different is our Twitter. is at Talk That Talk LV. And once again, this show is a part of the Talk That Talk media company. Got keys out. Is a part of the Talk That Talk media company. Um, Where's mine? Where's yours? Take a wild guess at what I'm talking about. I'm blanked. I have no idea. Matt, where's my Aces championship hat that you have on? Man, we don't have to work on that. We don't have to work on it. Jiggy, I know you hear me. Yeah. Jiggy? He, he's the guy for show. Jiggy? He's the guy for show. He holds down. So I need you to go ahead and place that call for me if you can. Yeah. Um, shout out to Jiggy, by the way. Tomorrow we are officially a, a week out. I shouldn't say a week out, but we are a week removed. Officially tomorrow, from Las Vegas's first ever championship parade for a pro team. Tomorrow makes an official week for that. But we're actually starting with some football. Matt kind of just talked about it. Matt opened it up by uh, by saying that it's a three and one Monday. It's indeed a three and one Monday. That's actually where we're starting. First of all, when I said that it was that I was excited today, we have six local news topics on the schedule. I didn't show you. Shout out, first of all, for all of you listeners who um, listen to this show, typically, I want you guys to know that for the most part, um, this is going to sound really crazy, but. Well, first of all, Matt's been doing the show long enough to the point to where I don't necessarily have to show him the rundown. I mean, we kind of know what 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 sports are in or in season rather. I may throw in a couple a couple of curveballs every now and again, but um, this one is a little different to me because I didn't. This is probably one that I should have showed you, but I didn't. 
I asked you a specific question last night, and once you said yeah, I was like, all right, cool. That's about as close as he's going to get. I'm not giving him anything else. But like I said, we have six local news topics on this schedule. We just got out of what I believe to be the busiest time of my year, which would be summer. That may about that may be about to change this particular fall and winter. We'll get to that probably in the second hour of the show. But a typical thing that actually – now that I go ahead and do this, let's go ahead and do my mom's tip in. I was actually pulling it up while I was actually walking into the studio, but I like this one in particular. No matter how good or bad your life is, wake up each morning and be thankful that you still have one. Once again, my mom's tip in for today is no matter how good or bad your life is, wake up each morning and be thankful that you still have one. So, shout out to my mom for that tip in. My dad sent the tip in, and I'm going to be honest, I read it, and I was like, oh, yeah, this isn't on sports. and Which is cool, which is perfectly fine to not be on sports. But that particular topic that he picked, I was like, oh, yeah, I need some more time to, to sit with this type of um, argument. He made some valid points, but I, I don't know if it was maybe too heated for a Monday show. We'll see what happens on Thursday. But... We're going to hop right in with UNLV football. This is one of the local topics that we're actually starting with. You said that they would get to 5-1. and one. Absolutely. Now, you, now you're just bragging. All right, we got it. But you, you've, been, you've been on point this season so far with UNLV football. Uh, the funny thing is you were kind of flip-flop on Cal. You never wavered with North Texas. As I said before, if we're looking at six wins, or possibly six wins, we even kind of looked at it as like maybe seven, there still has to be five or six losses in this schedule. I did have Utah State as one of those losses. I still have Air Force as a win on this schedule. This UNLV team may be headed towards some historic numbers for this program. I mean, I said it on Thursday. I thought their number was eight and four this year. That was the number that I, the consensus number that I came to was, oh yeah, eight and four is definitely within reach with this team. Um, and y'all, I mean, not to call a lot of people out, but there were people that thought, oh, they're gonna go to Utah State and they're getting smacked. And I said, oh no, 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 this is not, this ain't your typical UNLV team. Just trust me. Do teams still think? Well, I shouldn't say teams, but uh, do people still think? You said you're not going to say any names, so I guess the answer nah. is yeah. But I, just, I thought they would lose this game too. But at, as far as what we've seen through the first four weeks of UNLV season, I think I, I think it'd be pretty. I don't say impossible. It'd be pretty. It'd be a pretty big change and swing on the spectrum for this team to get blown out. I, I think this team this season. To be quite honest, they've shown us something that, at least in my time here at UNOV, in two, since 2017, covering Las Vegas sports, I've never seen it. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I'll I'll, I'll leave them unnamed, but uh, you could definitely say I got the receipts for sure. Um, I think Duna just sent me some receipts. What's up with everybody sending me receipts? I know. I, yeah, no, I definitely got the receipts. Um, but I, I think people kind of just fell back on the default answer when it comes to UNLV football especially if they go on the road it's just like I mean they on the road they in conference like what you expect um but I looked at it like okay UNLV smacked the crap out of Idaho State 
they gave Cal every single bit they could handle, including that last possession where UNLV ha- had a chance to win, legitimate chance to win. They were driving. They were moving the ball. They that's, were, they, or that's Doug's only interception on the year. Yeah, they were a couple plays away from flipping that loss to a win, and we talk, and now and us talking about them being possibly 4-0 at this point. But then they followed that performance up with an absolute smacking of North Texas. Before you move on uh, to North Texas, because that North Texas game is a whole nother. That was we learned a lot about that team's identity during that time. Going back to Cal, did you see this weekend that Cal put forty nine up on Air Force? On excuse me, on Arizona, puts a lot more validity behind Cal because people. That was the other thing. It's like, oh well, they they went and lost to Cal, but really, how good is Cal? I said that. I was one of those people. I said we have to wait. I said we have to wait. This was similar to UNLV basketball's win against Kansas State a couple of years ago, and then Kansas State went on to lose to a Division three school. I looked at everybody here at UNLV and said, well, kind of puts that loss into perspective a little bit more. That was more of a – it was a necessary win. It was a must win once you realize how bad Kansas State really was. So now let me f- ask you that same question again. Does this loss put more validity behind UNLV or Cal, however you want to look at it? Behind UNLV. Yeah. I think that's where I'm at with UNLV. Th- that Arizona game may have done something with Cal. But – uh, this UNLV team, as you said before, going on the road, number one, their first road game of the year, if you wanted to add any more pressure to it, a Pac-12 school, and not to mention, this is the same, and, and I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it, but I've played sports in my life, and of course, never at the highest, highest level, right? However, um, things creep into your mind, not everybody's the same, but things creep into your mind, and... I mentioned it before, week two last season, Arizona State, Doug Brumfield was doing anything he wanted on the field until the injury happened. And then UNLV essentially had no shot after that. Going into this game, this is a week two situation. Doug Brumfield is back behind center. You're going to a Pac-12 school on the road to only lose by six points, as you said before, and have a shot on it on the final drive of the game. That's why I say kind of what I was uh, alluding to earlier. I, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if anybody looks at this team's schedule, even with how bad Notre Dame has played this year, to look at the rest of this schedule and say, oh, this team is getting blown out at any point. I don't think they're going to get blown. I think I think we're honestly pretty much past the blowout stage when it comes to UNLV as far as where their program lies right now. I mean – you look at the ne- the upcoming games, right? New Mexico at home. I'll tell you right now, UNLV's favored by 16 points in that game. I don't think I've ever seen that much point, that many points, as far as being favored um, next to UNLV's name. I I had to take a step back. I was like, look, I like UNLV just as much as the next homer ne- by me, but how many? Oh, okay. Um, no, you should have said homer neighbor. Yeah, I'm kind of with that. Yeah, like I looked at that and I was like. It was one of those that I stopped because I, I thought about it. I was like, no, UNLV could actually win that by that much. Uh, given what they've shown us this year, Like, I wouldn't put that out of the question, especially if it's at home against New Mexico where we know New Mexico hasn't been great for a while. And then we look at the game after that, San Jose on the road. Yeah, it's a road game, but we kind of looked at each other. We're like, oh, okay, I think they could probably get San Jose too. And then coming into homecoming after that game. I mean, you're 5 and 1 coming into homecoming theoretically if you take care of New Mexico and you take care of San Jose State. The next game is homecoming against Air Force at home. That's my shocker of the year. If they get that game, that is that's a 6 and 1 start. 
Or I mean, are you on board with first off of five and one? What, I uh I am. However, again, like I said before, unless this team is going to shock the world and go ten and two. I don't think it's going to be that much, but I'm just saying if, the, if you can get. But to we're five expecting, one. as I said before, we're 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 sensing some losses, right? If you have get, you seen San Diego State play this year? Yeah, I've heard that that's a game they can get. Like San Diego. So yeah, so I don't really know right now. Now Fresno State, I don't think that they're going to get, but Fresno State doesn't necessarily look hot. So the reason why I'm saying that is because this game, let's say that they win. On, on Friday, and let's say that San Jose wins whoever whoever they're playing this week, assuming that they're playing this week. That game on October 7th would be for first place in the Mountain West West. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of the gun a little bit, but the reason why I bring that up is, what if UNLV falls short in that one? That's one that I had marked as a, as a win from the very beginning you had as a loss at the beginning and then you switched away so as we said before unless this team is going to go 10 and 2 we're expecting some losses if that game is for first place could you see UNLV slipping up on October 7th no i still think they will they can beat San Jose cuz the way that the way that the, the 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 trajectory that we're heading with this season our our predictions get more astronomical every week so Right now, if this continue, if this trend continues, this team is hovering around nine. It went from seven and four, from six and six to seven and five to eight and four. If they were to get San Jose State, we're probably looking around and we're going. Maybe this team can go nine and three, ten and two. I I would probably pause at nine and three because it's not that it's not reasonable for them. It's just just like any team, really, especially with UNLV, you have to factor in there's going to be that one loss in there that doesn't make a ton of sense because it's a game they probably should have won, but something didn't go right. So that's why I'm going to stay at 8-4 and because I think, like I said, I think they can get New Mexico. I think they can get San Jose. I think they do lose to Air Force. That's okay. I think they lose to Air Force, lose to Notre Dame. They get one on the road to San, San Diego. They lose Fresno. They win the last two. But... If you want to go the other way, kind of what you were saying, maybe they l- slip up to San Jose, but then you come back and you beat Air Force. So either way, you kind of get to the same. I guess you get to the same end result, just a little you bit different. Made I'm sorry. Yeah, I haven't made. So the only remaining losses you have is would be Air Force, Notre Dame, Fresno State. Correct. I think they. I'm not mad at that. I don't hate that because again, I don't think San Diego's all that great, or at least as people as great as they've been in years past. It's a game that UNLV can at least, if nothing else, go look competitive. And look, even if this team got to 7-5, and five, I don't think there's a soul in Las Vegas that has been in Las Vegas for a good amount of time that would throw a fit at 7-5. and five. And if they do, I don't know what to tell you because show me the last time this a UNLV football team went 7-5. and five. I, It's been a while. It may not have even happened in the 2000s for that matter. Okay, so I, I've only been here in Vegas since 2017, but I will say this in my time covering Las Vegas sports. <laughs> Even with this start, if UNLV wins three games the rest of the way, nobody in this city should sneeze at it considering that this team is 2-16 and 16 in its last two years. They win three more games the rest of the year. That still means they're six and six. That still means they go to a bowl game. That means they triple their win total over the last three seasons. Yeah, that well, 
that means they went from zero wins in year one to two in year two to six in, in that year three year span. You're right. And show me the bowl game that Tony Sanchez went to. Okay, I, that's what I thought. So again, if you're gonna sit, like you said, if you're gonna sit there as like a critical fan and sneeze at six and six, you know, make the argument, oh well, they started three and one and they they end up at six and six. Cool. They still got to six and six, which is probably more than what you anticipated this team to go to start with. So take what you can get. At this point, uh, you you've kind of hit the nail right on the head. I do think that it is important to mention that this team is three and one for the first time since 2008. Doug Brumfield led the way with three total touchdowns, two rushing. He came into the game with two rushing touchdowns through the first three weeks of UNLV season. He added two additional ones on Saturday. In addition to that, Aiden Robbins also scored a rushing touchdown. Doug did that after losing his two, his top two receivers in that game as well, in Jeff Weimer and Kyle Williams. I also say this about Saturday. I get it was a 10-point win. Trust me when I say it was much more lopsided than that. UNLV was ready to put the gas pedal down on them because at one point in time, it was 34-16. to 16. And UNLV had the ball, I think, at least once if not twice, driving the ball. And I was sitting there watching the game thinking to myself, here's the put-away drive. They're gonna. Mm-hmm. This is the drive they're going to put them away with. And take all you know sense of hope that Utah State may have had to come back in that game and I mean to Utah State's credit they did buckle down a little bit on defense they got some of their offense going they had a chance to cut the lead from 10 to 3 on the last possession but um, I mean UNLV's defense I've said it a lot that this defensive unit if you take a pretty broad look at it from the probably the last five years it has taken massive leaps forward as far as being a respectable unit a unit that can go out that can hold their own I mean even on Saturday we saw it a little bit in that North Texas game on a few occasions where the defense came up with outstanding goal line stands I mean just against a physical team and even on Saturday they I don't know if they were necessarily goal line stands but there were still some fourth and you know short between fourth and short and fourth and manageable kind of on the plus side, you know, the plus 45, the plus 40 side of the field where it, they kind of call it no man's land where you, you can't necessarily kick a field goal because it's a little long, but you don't want to punt it because it's not, it, it's only about 40-ish yards away from the end zone, so you'd rather go for it. And even on some of those fourth down circumstances, UNLV's defense held tough. They They made sure they held their own. They got their offense, the ball back with some good field position. And I mean, especially in that first half, I watched some of the throws Doug made and was just I, – I sat there and I went, Marcus finally made the right choice because this is what Doug has been doing. And, I mean, th- those throws were – I'd have to think about the last time a quarterback fr- that went through UNLV was, were able to make those throws on a consistent basis like he was. <clears throat> Pardon. Uh, you didn't have the game on Saturday. I did. The, the story's up on TalkThatTalkRadio.com. But – uh, you just mentioned UNLV being up 34-16. to 16. Cameron Oliver snagged the fourth interception of the game in the third quarter, and then UNLV proceeded to punt on back-to-back drives before, of course, Utah State. Eventually, you, 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 can't, keep a, you can't keep a great team down, right? No. And they've been struggling for the whole season. 
They have. All right, man. I'm not saying it's your well, fault. I mean, you can't say they've been struggling last year because they won the Mountain West. So. Indeed. Yeah. But you, you look at them this year, and offensively, they just don't look good. Like, right. they, they just plain and simple, they don't look good outside of week right. one. Or that may, may have actually been week zero. But uh, they, they, they get the score to cut it to 10, as you said before. Then UNLV gets two, uh, two additional possessions. They punt on those as well. So it is something to possibly keep an eye on. This team was up 34 to 16 early, or actually. About midway through the third quarter. So to hear you bring up those uh, memories of wasted drives, you have four of them with the touchdown actually sandwiched in between those. Well, even if you look at that week zero game, a lot of people, including I think yourself, said they kind of almost lucked into that win because of the circumstances that happened with UConn and their starting quarterback. Indeed. But, I mean, as, as I was saying before, too, their offense hasn't looked good. But I will give their offense credit for doing what they did in that game. It took them a little while to finally get it together. But I do stand by, as a collective, they didn't look good because you're playing Connecticut. And Connecticut actually isn't that bad this season. However, you, you look at it in the grand scheme of things, being a Mountain West champion, playing Connecticut – you should be able to stop something. And that team couldn't stop a nosebleed that day. That's why, overall, people just look at it and say it probably shouldn't have been as close as it was. Yeah, and the one matchup that I saw Saturday that I thought, oh, UNLV's got something going forward, and I hope that they look at this on the film and, and keep going to it. Anytime Kyle Williams is in man coverage where he's being guarded one-on-one, -on -one, Kyle Williams may very well be the fastest receiver in the league. Like, I'm not sure many... DBs, many corners, many safeties for that matter, they're going to keep up with Kyle Williams if there's if he is guarded one on one because there was a few times even on Saturday Utah State went to a went to a man to man coverage it left Kyle Williams one on one and I mean there were times where Doug had threw him the ball Kyle Williams had his defender beat by a good two to three steps I mean he had put the burners on. Now we we just we mentioned just a second ago that UNLV is three and one. Through the first four games of the season, first time since 2008. They're first in the Mountain West West Division. I mentioned San Jose State, San Jose State earlier. San Jose State is 2-1 and one overall. San Diego State is just behind at 2-2. Two and two. And then you have Fresno State at 1-2. and two. Somebody that I said is not only going to win this division, I feel like they would eventually run away with this division. Yeah, man, college football is a weird thing, isn't it? Um, as Matt said... <laughs> their first night game, uh, and I already closed it, but I would like to know if that's their only night game, but it is what it is for now. I don't believe it is. Because I think they go. They have a road night game, though. Back to back, yeah. They, they, they go Friday, Friday. They may have some night games on, like, a Saturday. I don't want to pull back up. I don't want to pull the schedule back up. The reason why I'm saying that is because this may be their only night game. I almost want to call it a twilight game um, at Allegiant. It might be. I don't know. They may have, like I said, they may have a Saturday game. I think, San, I think San Diego State is an 8 o'clock game, but that's in San Diego. And San Jose is 7.30 on a Friday. In San Jose, which yeah. is probably beautiful. I've never been to San Jose, at least for a football game. We'll, it's probably insane out there. But New Mexico is next on the schedule. That will take place on Friday. That is September 30th, 8 p.m., first night game of the season for this year's UNLV team. That's 3-1. and one. Now... Um, random. Did you watch this uh Wyoming BYU game? I watched bits and pieces of it. Yeah. Okay. Did you watch the game or did you watch highlights? Uh, I was watching parts of the game as I was watching other games cool. going on at the same time. I don't know what parts you saw. Did that game make you feel any differently about Wyoming? 
It's about what I expected. It was a ba- it, look. It was a bounce back spot for BYU. You had to look at what they went through the week before. They had gotten their doors kicked in by Oregon. With that said, you should come in and kick the doors in on Wyoming. That ain't happened through the first half. Did you see that game? I saw BYU taking the business to Wyoming. Hey, man. I looked at the score. I was like, hey, oh, man. this is what's happening. In the I have eye. no problem saying that. I, I, I'm, I, I, first of all, this is a field where you're going to be wrong. Yeah, of course. You're going to be wrong. So the thing is, how do you handle when you're wrong? I have no – I may shout this to the end of the college football season. After Go back and watch Wyoming week one. I will stand by that because, again, I don't claim to be uh, an expert that knows more than the guys that's out there calling the X's, X's and O's or running the X's and O's. However, I like to think that I know a little bit of something about it. Go back and watch Wyoming in week one and tell me if that's a good football team. And then come back and tell me how that team beat Air Force and competed with BYU. I don't care that they lost by 14 points. Go back and watch that game. I'm telling you, you may be shocked after you watch it. By the way, BYU comes to town in a couple weeks. They'll be here for the uh, <laughs> BYU-Notre Dame game. I almost said a BYU Allegiant joke, and nobody in Vegas was going to like it. Probably not. Stop scheduling BYU and Allegiant until you get some Ws. Um, Speaking of getting Ws... <laughs> There's a team that hasn't got one yet. You know what? I said last week that they're that they're one of seven teams in the NFL who, without a win. Now they're one of two. They're one of one. One of two. That one of a winless team. Houston. Houston is oh. But they're the only team that is zero and three currently. Houston is zero two and one. That's horrific. So as I was saying before, I'm sorry. I, that just because so many stats are running through my head, and we're about to hop into a lot of them. Trust me. But uh, Matt is absolutely right. They are the only 0-3 team in the NFL after a 24 to 22 loss to the Tennessee Titans this past Sunday. Yesterday, as a matter of fact, they lost after a failed two point conversion. First of all, that touchdown grab from Mac Hollins. Um, you you haven't been to a Raider practice this year, I don't believe, but Mac is one of the Mac walks into the room and you forget what you're there for. And Mac gets to talking and about ten minutes into just being around him, first of all, it makes you kind of it makes you realize and Josh McDaniel said it after the game, it makes you realize why he was voted a captain. It makes you realize why this group is so likable. I said this before the season started when I looked at Devontae, the, the, the Devontae Adams acquisition and I looked at what Darren Wilder already means to this team, no disrespect to Hunter Renfro, but I understand what he has meant to this team when this team didn't necessarily have a number one wideout to go to. I said if, and this is with all due respect to him, but if I am to assume that other teams are looking at the Raiders and saying if they're going to beat us through the air, how are they going to do so? You got to make Hunter do it. Through the first two games of the year, I believe teams made Hunter Renfro beat them. The Chargers literally couldn't do anything with Devontae Adams. That's how we ended up with 10 receptions, 141 yards, and a touchdown. But 
if you're watching that game in key pivotal pivotal moments, Hunter Renfro was the only guy with a one-on-one situation. So the fact that he wasn't in this game, you saw it a little bit last week, but this week he absolutely sparked career night day rather for Mac Hollins. Eight receptions, 151 yards, in addition to that touchdown grab in the fourth quarter that nearly would have tied the game if Derek Carr would have found Darren Waller on that two-point conversion attempt. Yeah, I mean, look, this team's now 0-3. Um, I know there's people out there that are legitimately saying it's time to let McDaniels go. Let's put this in perspective that it is only three games in. Do you really want a repeat of last year where you are firing a coach midseason, you are gonna, you're going to have to bring in some sort of interim or you're going to have to promote an interim of some sort. You're going to have, in other words, a guy that is going to be listed as an interim for the remainder of the year, a guy that you may or may not keep. You just flipped over regimes this past offseason. Do you really want to go through that again is my question to those that really want Josh McDaniels fired after an 0-3 start. Now, I, I won't. I mean, I won't pause at the fact that it's definitely a little. It's time to be a little concerned. I think zero and three. You raise some eyebrows and you go, "That's not what we necessarily expected." But and really, I think that's kind of because it was reported. I think by um, Paul, Gutier- Paul Gutierrez. I'm pretty sure reported it that um, Josh McDaniels and Mark Davis had a closed door meeting before Josh McDaniels took questions from the media after the game. The I mean, nobody really knows what was said behind that those closed doors except for those two parties. I'm guessing it was more so more, it was more so Mark Davis just letting Josh McDaniels know that we ain't gonna fire you right now. We ain't gonna we ain't gonna Herm Edwards you in a sense. We ain't gonna fire you on the spot. But we're a little concerned. Um, it, it, it's one of those, and Jerry Jones is notorious for doing this Uh-oh. as an owner. I mean. We, I mean, everybody sees, you know, after a Cowboy game, particularly a home game, but really after any Cowboy game, you know, you see Jerry and he's he's taking questions from the media and all that. By the way, if, if let's not do that. Like, if you're an owner, no need to do that. What, I why? truthfully think that coaches don't like it. I think players don't like it. I think nobody says anything because he's Jerry Jones, as my dad has mentioned before. But who's going to say anything to him? Somebody should be like Jerry. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No, we're not doing that. Like my dad said last week, we're Jerry doing doesn't that. bring those guys into the building. He doesn't. He, he keeps those guys that are gonna say, Stephen "Hey, don't do." Stephen should tell him, "Be like, yo, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, back in the box. Let's go. We we ain't, we ain't taking questions. No, you you let Mike McCarthy take the questions. We got it. Um, or Dan Quinn. Yeah, but to the Raiders, um, t- time to concern to be concerned for sure. I think. We we talk about it all the time when to push the panic button. You may push the panic button if they lose to Denver, and I I, I get going one and let's say they beat Denver but lose to Kansas City. You're you're one and four at that point going to the bye. I get that's not up to expectation. We both looked at it and said probably two and three or three and two. So it's even below our expectation. But understand something: if you are a Raider fan, you knew darn well going into this season these first five games were the toughest stretch their of their schedule and they got it right out of the gate go look at the games they have after their bye week 
there's a very real possibility that they could catch fire. They could string off some wins. And by the halfway point, they could find themselves around 500. They could find themselves at a four and five or a five and four. Then all of a sudden you have a little bit of a different look at the season. So speaking of a different look at the season, let me give you a number to kind of to kind of ponder for a little bit. I've mentioned before that Josh McDaniels is in his third year as a head coach, obviously his first with the with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I have mentioned before and highlighted that he went eight and eight in his first season. Therefore, if we are just looking at the last 15 regular season games where Josh McDaniels was a head coach, Josh McDaniels hosts a record of three and 12. Now, I mean, admittedly, I'm not anti-firing Josh McDaniels after this season. However, you're going to have to show me a pretty bad record to to prove a case to me. Like if this team is 3 and 14, yeah, okay. You have a case that yeah, Josh McDaniels probably needs to be fired given the talent that he has on this roster because that talent is far more capable of more wins than 3 and 14. If he goes 7 and 10, Eight and nine, do you really want to fire Josh McDaniels after the first year if that's the quote-unquote baseline or the benchmark? Well, not benchmark, but kind of baseline reading you get out of Josh McDaniels for the first year because you know the roster's in theory going to get better. You know Josh McDaniels as a coach in theory is going to get better. So at seven and ten or eight and nine, it's almost better to let him stay maybe another year to two years and for those that are like, oh, well, it's 7 to 10, it's, eight, it's still kind of under expectations, that's cool. How many times did you say that that's under expectations under John Gruden? And how long did John Gruden stay? I'll tell you one reason why I'm mad, why I'm mad at Josh McDaniels in this winless start to the season for the Raiders. Because it's taking attention away from what I believe to be my biggest call of the year. If the Raiders would at least have put together one victory in these first three, the Raiders and the Chargers would both be one and two. And I promise you the bigger story would be Brandon Staley. Yeah, well, it may still end up being Brandon Staley by the end of the year. I mean, we, we saw that. Like, Again, that, that's the thing about the NFL. Like, We have 17 games to play. Each team has 17 games they have to play in their schedule. We're only through three. The Raiders, like I said, if they go to their bye week one and four and come out of their bye week, you know, stringing off three or four, maybe five in a row for that matter, if they, they catch momentum, all of a sudden one and four looks like nothing compared to could be five and four or six and four. And all of a sudden, like I said, you go from looking at being in a hole to possibly contending for the division lead at six and four. If you were able to catch fire, you're able to gain momentum, you're able to right the ship a little bit coming out of the bye week now i love Derek carr as much as the next person here in vegas that actually loves him because there are some that don't um somebody told me today that that uh they feel like it's the quarterback's fault they feel like he's he's been a deer in the headlights he's absolutely had those moments he has 100 percent had those moments he has had seven different offensive line combinations in front of him Again, like I tell you guys all the time, I'm not necessarily making an excuse. I'm just pointing out a fact. Uh, Derek Carr, has he been able to get Devontae Adams involved in games? 
No, not not after week one. Are teams making it a point to take away Devontae Adams? Yes. How was Aaron Rodgers still able to throw Devontae Adams open without a Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and now Mac Hollins around him? I'm not really sure. I mean, look, because you're right. There's those people out there that are not very big Derek Carr people. I get it. My my counter question to them is, that's cool that you don't like Derek Carr. So do you got somebody that's better than him that's readily available right now? That's a long pause. I mean, I'm just saying, like, for those, it's the same thing. It's like, that's cool if you want to replace the quarterback. But my, it, it, much like replacing a head coach, I have the same principle for both. That's cool if you want to replace them. You better have somebody better in, in line that's ready to go. Derek Carr is coming off of his first 300-yard passing game of the season. Matt actually just spoke about it. Denver is next up on the schedule Sunday, October 2nd, 1.25 p.m. Allegiant Stadium. We'll see what happens when the Raiders take on their second division opponent this year. We already know that they dropped one against the Chargers to open the season. Uh, you want to go through week three? Well, we don't have to go through it, but you you guys know how we typically do on week three. I would say a pick em update. However, I didn't finish the scores. But I will say this. Through the morning games, including the Thursday game, through the morning games, I believe I had dropped one. And let's see if I can find it. Because I remember watching it because typically I try not to watch throughout the the, the day because I feel like you'll really drive yourself crazy. But through those first couple of games, I had every pick except for Buffalo. Buffalo had me. And then obviously the KC game uh, ended up coming down to the wire. Same thing with the Buffalo game. But... When I looked at everything, I looked at the Raiders, and the Raider game is kind of what handcuffed me. Like, I looked at the Raider game, the Kansas City game, the Buffalo game, and everything else on this on this list is pretty much right. I will say this. I did fall asleep right when the fourth quarter started of uh, Sunday Night Football and woke up in shock. <laughs> I woke up and was like 11 to 10. What, what in the name of Las Vegas ballpark? Um, did you want to talk? Did you want to talk about week three? Yeah, we can run through week three for sure. Uh, I don't know what you're laughing at, but I mean, have you been to a game at the Las Vegas Ballpark? I, I went Sunday, bro. We'll get to that we'll get to that, uh, and actually, we'll get to that to start the second hour. So, yeah, no, I wait. No need to rush to the Aviators at the second. No, uh, I mean there hasn't really been much rush for them. For I the last, said at this second, know. move on. Okay, um, week three, right? Yep. All right, let's get into it. Um. Let's talk about your Steelers looting on this one. Come on, man. I'm sorry. My bad. All right. We all we right, had our Thursday right. to do that. I know. I know. So we can, to be honest with you, I actually want to go directly to uh, this New England-Baltimore game. Yeah. Reason why is because I would like to know, this is one of the blessings of not being on uh, FCC Airways right now. How much, and I don't even know how to word this, but you guys will get the point. How deep into shit is Baltimore if Lamar Jackson goes out and wins the Super Bowl this year? They better pony up the cash and pay that man if he does. They better make sure he doesn't leave the city of Baltimore. 
Um, Getting he, a title or refusing to sign is insane. <laughs> he won. If, if he gets that supermax Patrick Mahomes type deal, he he's staying. Um, I mean, look around his division right now. I think even if he gets to a Super Bowl, I think it's hard to argue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, hell, even the AFC Championship, depending on what he looks like on the way there. I mean, if you're Baltimore, you're probably gonna offer him a, a super max extension anyway. Kind of the the most amount you can possibly offer him, uh, regardless, just because he's Lamar Jackson, and like I said, you, you know, you're probably not gonna get much better than Lamar at this point. Right, and really quick too, uh, you you kind of just talked about it right now. The most money that they could give him, we understand that the NFL doesn't have a super max quote unquote. Right contract only the nba has that which is completely baffling because what the hell do you call mike contract mike trout's contract stupid <laughs> i like that one but he's definitely going to warrant something that is out of this world this is one of those prime situations in my opinion of betting on yourself and i and i mentioned it earlier i want earlier in the year before maybe before the year started that i wanted lamar jackson to more than any other year this particular year to stay healthy considering that he didn't get his money already. He may have taken what I suggested and was wishing for and may have done the exact, not want to say opposite, but may have taken that a whole nother level. I know that Baltimore doesn't, or, or isn't an undefeated team. Baltimore as of right now for me is probably the scariest team in the NFL. I would say Buffalo. And I get, I get what they just had last week. I get it. but And who they played. Trust me, I don't, I don't think any of us are wrong in this situation. I think sometimes you just know that it's, it's, it's a team's time. All I'm going to say is barring health. I, I do think, and we talk about it too, uh, and this happens on social media, so shout out to the OD podcast, but we see this on Twitter a lot too, right? Uh, people uh, uh, say like before er, before something great happens to you, everything crumbles. How many people had Baltimore as a favorite last season? And then running back one went down. And then running back two went down. And then running back three went down. And then you kind of look at Lamar Jackson and you go, oh, you're in one of those situations. You're in a Kyler situation. You have to do both. I don't know how far you're going to get if you have to do both. And we saw what happened last season in this particular year. I don't know, man. I, I look at what – I do think that this Baltimore, or this New England game did something for me, um, mainly because they're playing against Bill Belichick, right? And Bill can only do so much at his quarterback position, of course, when Mac Jones turns the ball over three times through the air – that gives Baltimore's offense a couple of more uh, uh, more opportunities to do so. But Lamar Jackson has been somebody who has struggled historically against Bill Belichick defenses. He hung 37 against them yesterday. Yeah, well, I mean, look at also that game. I mean, the, depending on what happens with Mac Jones, the Patriots season may have very well just ended yesterday against the Ravens with Mac Jones going down with injury. And I get they don't run a whole lot of their offense through Mac Jones, per se. They're not dependent on Mac Jones. Um, it's a very run-heavy offense. But it's still your franchise, your quote-unquote franchise guy that you're rolling with, at least for, for the short term, we'd imagine, if not long term with Mac Jones. Um, now, I mean, you're losing your, your franchise guy, at least for the season. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, that kind of 
was all that Baltimore really needed to get going because from then on, their offense was scoring more, their defense was coming up with stops, and I think it's it's one of those that, um, I mean, I, I'll say right now, the Ravens were my favorite pick of the day. Like if you if you had said just pick a, your favorite pick of the day, Ravens at the Patriots. Like somebody texts me as well and says, should they take Baltimore or New England on that on their ticket? And I said. In my pick'em league, I took Baltimore. So. Ravens, yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't think you know the spread wasn't going to matter, nothing like that. Like I, I figured the Ravens were going to go in, be the more dominant team, be the more physical team, be the better offensive team with or without Mac Jones, because we all kind of know what the limitations of the New England offense is anyway. Even with Mac Jones, I, I knew that okay, this is the same New England team that only put up seventeen against Pittsburgh without T.J. Watt. It was the same New England team that got beat by Miami in week one. And which by the way, yes. Miami's sneaky good in the AFC. Miami's sneaky good in the NFL. I mean, I, I, I just realized that on week three. I was like, you know what? They are going to be a great team to be a sleeper with. They are going to be a great if you are looking for a quote unquote sleeper. If they keep doing this, they're not going to be a sleeper. I know. But like if you were going to Don a team as a sleeper team up to this point, I would say it's Miami because they've got, to the best of my knowledge, they're three and zero because they beat New England week one. They uh, came from behind and beat Baltimore week two. They beat Buffalo week three. So I mean they're undefeated right now. They've got Tua and Tyreek, probably one of the better duos in the league. I believe Tua still leads the league in passing yardage, if I'm not mistaken, unless he got passed up. But going into week three, he led the league in passing yardage. And, I mean, people want to like... Josh Allen does now. Okay, so I I think that was number two anyway. So Josh Allen just passed him up. So you basically had the two, uh, the top two quarterbacks in passing yardage going head-to-head yesterday. Great matchup. I look at the the AFC East and go, yeah, it's one of those two teams. Like, and I'm, I'm very serious when I say... Miami could definitely make a case to win that division over Buffalo. And I believe four minutes ago, six minutes ago now, story just came out of New England that Mac Jones, it, he first of all, he's dealing with a high ankle sprain, Ooh. and he offers that the injury um, has kept him day-to-day. And I believe, according to this story, that the phrase day-to-day was said nine times during his media session with reporters. Speaking of breaking news, I do have breaking news that Miles Garrett was involved in a single car accident uh, where his car was involved in an accident where it flipped off of the side of the road, I believe. Oh, um, it, it's it's believed as of right now that the all-pro defensive end did not suffer life-threatening injuries. However, he was taken to the hospital, and the Browns are gathering information, but no specific details have come out about his injuries or the condition that Miles Garrett is in. We are praying for the 26-year-old Miles Garrett. That news just broke by the AP, I believe, an hour ago, and ESPN just reported on it, I believe, four minutes ago. Who do the Browns have this week, anyway, coming up? How bad is Baker Mayfield? No, I'm just playing. You got a win yesterday. Leave him alone. You're all right. All right. I want to say what I want to say. I know. Atlanta. You just mad that he beat New Orleans. It's fine. Green Bay got to win. So I, I'm i not too worried about life. Like, yeah. life is good right now. Like, yep. There's no worries right now. For I think y'all beat TB on the road. That's pretty impressive. Hey, man. Um, he had nobody to throw to. Yeah, I know. Um, so the Browns have Atlanta. I, 
I don't think it's the necessarily the end of the world for say if Miles Garrett misses week four. And of course, we're moving under the assumption of based on this report, while the Browns have not gotten any information, we are under the belief that it's no life-threatening injuries. However, I'm not even sure if they said it's not uh, no serious injuries. Well, that's, so. what I, that's what I'm saying. He could very well be out for week four, maybe even longer than that. But at least, you know, if he is, if he does have to miss at least a game, it's not like going up against a high potent offense where you could you may notice that. Um, that presence on the defensive line, uh, or at least that absence on the defensive line, a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of happened. What happened with uh, Pittsburgh against Cleveland? Ironically, um, you, you started to realize and you started to understand the absence of T.J. Watt on that defensive line and how much presence he really brought to that unit, especially with how well Cleveland was able to run the ball and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I obviously you hope that Miles Garrett doesn't miss any time, but. Um, I think if you are a Browns fan and, you know, he does have to miss at least a game or so, um, the season's not derailed in a sense. I'm sorry. So I was reading uh, right now, and I take that back, ESPN did report on it. Something didn't seem right with ESPN reporting on it four minutes ago. But ESPN did report on it an hour ago. They updated it, I believe, four minutes ago. Uh, I'm going to try to pick through certain areas. Garrett crashed his 2021 Porsche after practice near Wadsworth, Ohio at around 3 p.m. According to the Ohio State Highway Patrol, the vehicle went off the side of the road and flipped over before coming to arrest. There was also a female passenger in the side who was also taken to a nearby hospital with non-life-threatening injuries similar to Miles Garrett. Prayers for everybody involved. I don't know, man. I, I, I literally just found out about this in the moment. Um, this is one of those moments that you remember that, like, we cover a children's, multiple children's games as a career. And I've said it plenty of times, like, Yes, I believe journalists are important, right? But when I say things like that, a lot of people do believe, based on probably some some of the other things that I've said about arrogance, um, it, it doesn't come from a place of arrogance. I feel like our level of journalism, while some people find an extreme need for it, there are journalists out there in the world that are reporting on things like this constantly throughout their day this is their day at work covering breaking news like this and as i said before it's in these moments that you realize that uh this sports thing that we cover is really really small in the grand scheme of things so uh just wishing the best for miles garrett uh been to a couple of aces games as a matter of fact uh pr pretty cool dude just to kind of be around um, for as big as Miles Garrett is, and this may sound funny, especially coming from where I come from, Miles Garrett is extremely approachable. And I know a lot of people from where I come from don't want Miles may not even be where I don't even know where Miles is from. Um, but I don't think he's from California for a fact. But most people don't want to be approachable. Miles Garrett is 6'5, 295, and you see him and it goes, the dude looks nice. Like, the dude genuinely looks like a nice guy. I've said that about Mike Hughes before, and then I've heard some people tell me in the trenches he's not nice. I'm pretty sure we'll get those same stories about somebody like that. Now, 
did I just download the Aviators 2023 schedule? Sorry, guys. But we are into the getting into that first hour of um, oh, actually, no, a lot. We have one more NFL topic before we get on into that second hour where we will discuss baseball, we will discuss aviators, athletics, and then we got some other local news for you guys, some topics that you guys can get ready to hear probably for the next handful of months. But before we do that, did you hear about Rihanna performing at the halftime performance? I did, yeah. For the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I definitely heard that. <laughs> A lot of things went through my mind. I do have one quick question for you. Did you hear that Taylor Swift was headlining the Super Bowl like Two or three days before. Yeah, <laughs> they they switched that up real quick. They they said, "Oh, we can get who? All right, bet. Hold up. <laughs> Let me rearrange some things. Hold on." Okay, so I didn't want to say it, but it, it, to me, and this is why I hate my job sometimes because it sounds like I'm pitting two women against each other. But to me, it looks as if the NFL came out. And was like Taylor Swift And maybe they had reached out to Rihanna Three weeks ago before the season started And they didn't get an answer from her My guess is that The Taylor Swift announcement went out Rihanna saw it and was like Oh yeah I'll do that shit I was about to say If you you were the NFL you had your choice You want Taylor Swift or you want Rihanna Don't ask me that Okay So they made the right choice I'm I'm glad they Have you heard Taylor Swift say that they made their own choice? I haven't heard Taylor Swift say anything. My point exactly. Not to sound like that, but Taylor Swift, if I already took the the gig, I don't know how. First of all, payments for um, the Super Bowl, for, I believe, up to four years, three or four years ago, they said that uh, the person who's performing gets to donate whatever, to uh, donate something to like a charity. Not saying that that's not a beautiful thing, but when you look at some of the 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 level of talent that they've had do these halftime performances you want me to believe that Beyonce did the halftime performance twice and didn't get paid no absolutely not she didn't no she I think a lot of them got paid to be quite honest with you fam I think all of them got paid yeah. like, I don't I don't know not to sound like that but I don't think you're dealing with anybody new at that level so I don't think you're looking at somebody and saying hey we're not gonna pay you first of all this is the biggest Possibly, aside from with the Final Four, this is possibly the biggest TV event of the year, sports-wise. What do you mean you're not going to pay me? I'm going to hang up this phone is what's going to happen. So I, I don't believe that. But if you wanted me to believe that, you want me to believe a person like Rihanna who just reached a billion dollars and one could argue that that last push to get her to a billion dollars wasn't in music. You want me to believe that that person isn't getting paid? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you're the NFL. I think what I like kind of what you said actually that they probably sent they probably sent messages or whatever it was out to both artists, <laughs> and Taylor Swift was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in." They make the announcement, and Rihanna looks at her phone and go. Oh, I knew there was something I had to respond back to. Hold up a sec. <laughs> and not to sound like that, but like you just said with the NFL, are you going to tell her never won? No, you wanted Rihanna. Like, this is like, I honestly think NFL was like, yeah, Rihanna's our number one. But if we can't, we'll settle for Taylor Swift. And then when Rihanna got back to them, they're like, 
Marte. We, we, we like we like you. We'll still give you the tickets for the game. You just can't perform. I don't. I this is gonna sound really really brutal, but to be quite honest, I don't know how Taylor Swift feels. But let's just say that Rihanna was your first choice. You know how ecstatic I am to be number two. I'm the second person that came to mind after you thought of this person. Do you get second place money? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. That's damn near like being nominated for a Grammy to me. Like, fam, you thought of her and then me. Oh, it's lit. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It goes back to my Achilles point. That's why I randomly bring up the Achilles gang and I'll be like, yeah, Kobe, Kelsey Plum, Kevin Durant, myself. Hey. What? You got to believe it at some point. Speaking of believe... I know you did not just use believe in aviators in the same sense. I didn't even get to the word aviator. Good. <laughs> you didn't have to. Do you want to just cap the show at an hour? Like, I don't understand why you continue to do this. But I did flirt with the fact of, of the aviators, if they wanted to stay alive, right, and make things interesting, headed down the stretch. They needed to get all six games against Reno. Matt, I'm here to tell you on Monday afternoon that they got one. Ta-da. I told you it was going to end on Tuesday. I said they're going to come into Tuesday. Reno's going to smack them around, and they're going to send them home. That's exactly what happened. They ended up losing on, on Tuesday 17-5, to five, which, no, that's not a typo. No, you're not hearing that wrong. 17-5 to five was the final score for that Tuesday season, or series opener. rather. Three times this series they gave up. 10 or more runs. They lost 17 to 5, 10 to 3, and 11 to 3 in the series for that, or excuse me, in the regular season home finale. Th that game that you were actually at. Um, you want to talk about it? I know for sure I left at the end of the seventh inning because I looked at the score. I was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. Okay, cool. I'm not missing anything. See, so now I typically try not to tell people what they said in moments, especially if I wasn't there. But I'm almost positive that you didn't say, oh, this is what we're doing. With the way that you have been all season long, I'm pretty sure that you looked at the field and you said, oh, this is what y'all doing. I'm out of here. Yeah. I mean, I saw, what, 10 to 1, 10 to 2, 10 to 3, whatever it was. And I was like, <clears throat> yeah, no. I mean, this team has nothing left to play for. They probably trying to get out of here. It's a Sunday. It's already a getaway game just to start with because that's typically what Sundays are regardless of where your standings are at, uh, whether you're in playoff contention, out of playoff contention. Sundays and typically Wednesdays are the getaway days for baseball in minor league. Um, sometimes it's Thursday if it's a three-game series, so you may have Thursday as a getaway day or whatever the case may be, but – yeah, it's already a getaway game. This team knows they're not going to be in postseason contention. I mean, again, they're just trying to write out the rest of their schedule. And, um, I mean, as I've said before, I mean, both at the minor league level and at the major league level, both teams are kind of just, you know, like I said, emptying the cabinet a little bit, seeing what's good in here, what's what, what, what can we throw away. What, what, what can What's we, expired. What's expired, what, we, what do we need to get rid of, uh, what needs to be reorganized. Um, it's a feeling out period because that's all you can really do with these games. Like, you, I don't know if there's a single person on this planet. Well, maybe there's a few, but I don't think there's a f single person on this planet that I can think of that is going to be able to walk into either clubhouse, athletics or aviators, 
at this point in the year and go, yeah, guys, we really got to press hard for these wins because it, so much of it is a mental game. But you do walk in and say finish strong, right? Maybe this is their way of finishing strong or building for next year. All right, now you're going to frustrate me. Because at this point, for the aviators and the athletics, I've, I've maybe even said this before. They're at the point now wins and losses don't necessarily matter for them. They've got to see what they have long term. I typically agree. And here's why I'm going to say that you're wrong about the aviators. You're probably right about Oakland. Here's why you're wrong about the aviators. Uh, you you talked about they're trying to write out the end of their schedule. I, I sat at the game on Saturday. And I, I sat at the game and I was sitting there and I was thinking, well, I felt this way for a little bit. But I looked down at the field and I said, well, this team – this team doesn't even look like they're interested anymore. And when I noticed that, I said, wow. Respect to the team, but there was a collective effort, that, or a feeling, rather, that the team just wasn't in it. And obviously I say that with all due respect. However, I got to thinking – which sport is it the worst to see it in? And football came to mind because when you run into a football team that has nothing to play for, you typically get one of two things. You get a team that gets curb stomped or you get a team that's like a wounded animal in the, in the jungle. Now let's talk about baseball. Especially after this season, I may believe more than anything, I think only golf can maybe rival it. I don't know another sport that you can't have your confidence waver at all. From an individual standpoint, I don't care if you're over 15. Your confidence cannot waver. I think the Aviators' collective confidence wavered early in August. And I haven't seen it since. Shortly after the All-Star break. This team was 47 and 41 at the All-Star break. Forty-seven. And 41. This team is 23 and 36 after the All-Star break. They're 70 and 77. Matt, it shouldn't shock you that this team is now in third place in the PCOS. I mean, to be fair, we kind of early on kind of alerted the fans that look the way they're playing is not sustainable long term they cannot keep winning games and have the type of run differential that they have it's just not sustainable long term ta-da this team went 8 and 22 against the the division's best team the Reno Aces who 
by far, they're running away with this division. Like, it's only three games left in a year, but they have successfully run away with this it. division. They're 11 games up on Tacoma. Everybody else behind them is either 13 or 19 games behind. <laughs> they they did mention this after yesterday's game, after yesterday's regular season home finale. I did just say that the Aviators are in third place. The Aviators are now tied for third place with the Salt Lake Bees. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, somebody asked me about the Raiders this morning, and I said, mm, beats me. I would like to rescind that I don't know beats me, and I would like to apply it to the aviator season. Fair enough. Mm, beats me. Wait, can I duplicate it and do it again for the for the athletics? I don't, uh, I don't see why not. It's not like it's your team. Very true. We know we know what your team is now. So you know what's funny? By the way, what happened in that, that this weekend? So I, I didn't even see the the score. I'm gonna get to that. Okay. So I'm happy that you asked that. Before we get to, before we get to to Oakland, the Aviators may be looking at their again best case scenario to end the season, but they're ending the season with a three game trip to Sacramento to close the year. They're 35 and 40 at home. I wanted to mention that before getting off of the home last home standpoint. Uh, matter of fact, and I know I wasn't tripping. Okay. By the way, this last uh, Aviator homestand during that 12 game homestand, they went 3 and on. Pretty on par for the second half Aviators. This three game road trip to Sacramento may be exactly what they need to close the year. You talked about wins and losses not necessarily meaning anything. I do think that this team needs these wins to end this year. Not to mention they're eighteen and six against the River Cats this year. I think more than anything, you need twenty wins against this team. So you need to at least get two. I think you need all three. I don't say I don't say you need all three. I think you need two. I think you want all three just to to end on a high note because Lord knows there haven't been very many for the Aviators since July. Now going back to this point about what Matt said, uh, we, we we came up with this thing, and I'm not gonna lie, I thought about it after Friday. After Friday's game, Oakland loses 9-2. to And I thought about it, and I told you guys even on the show and when uh, I asked Matt if the Mets sweep or however we're going to do this, can I be a Mets fan? I felt like I robbed the bank a little bit. I gave you two or three games. I didn't even <laughs> say they had to sweep. Which is why I felt like I robbed the bank. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and this is respect to the Oakland organization, but at this point of the season, I didn't, and especially the way that this a, that this NL East is shaping up, I didn't think that there was any way that the Mets would lose two out of three. The Mets get game one, nine to two. I look up in game two on Saturday because I did watch every pitch of, game, of Friday's game to answer, to go back to our original point on Thursday. Could I watch every uh, pitch of this series? I probably could have, but once UNLV football hit, once I'm at an aviator game, I, fam, I'm sorry, guys. But I did get the notification on Saturday that Oakland took game two 10 to 4. I didn't know how to feel. And then everything at least was centered again on Sunday because the, the athletics ended up dropping the Sunday series finale 13 to 4. What's up with these run differentials? Um. Yeah. You got an answer? No. I, I didn't think you did. <laughs> I didn't think you did. But Oakland was outscored twenty six to sixteen during this series. Again, similar to the to the to the to the excuse me to the Aviators. 
this is a team that first of all not similar to the aviators this is the team that's been up against it all season long they were maybe in contention for the first month and that quickly dwindled and we and we understood that this was the rebuilding year for at least the first rebuilding year for the oakland athletics they are now 56 and 97 this season they are last in the aos as if you didn't know uh, matter of fact i want to know how far they are away from the angels ha see life is good the Rangers are actually the fourth place team. They are 65 and 87. The Angels are a hair better at 67 and 86. Going back to Oakland, their 56 and 97 record is actually matched by Pittsburgh at the same 56 and 97. That is a win percentage of .366. Worst team in all of baseball is still the Washington Nationals at 53 and 99. Are you ready to come off of this bet yet? As far as being the worst team in the league? Yes. What are the records at? Because I know we all know. Oakland's better by three games in a win column, two in a loss. So they're two and a half up on the wor- on the on what would be the worst team in baseball. And we have nine games left. The nine games for Oakland or? Oakland. So I think that would be eight for Washington. Who does Washington have to finish the year? Because I know Oakland's got question. Oakland's got like six against the Angels and then three against uh, the Mariners. Yes, and we're gonna get to that Angel point as well. Because <laughs> funny how life works. Uh, the Washington Nationals close up their year against Atlanta, Philly, and New York. Okay, they might be the second worst <laughs> team in baseball. After that, after that stretch, yeah. It's okay to say that Oakland will not finish with the worst record in baseball. If they finish with the worst record in baseball, what happens? That means either the nine game, or, or yeah, nine games, ten games, whatever it is left for the Nationals. Either their opponents mailed it in, and they handed them a couple wins. Like, yo, you you can have these. Like, we know you need them more than we do. So, um. Or that means that that means that Oakland would have lost nine in a row, ten in a row if you can count if you count Sunday. Oh my gosh! Man, Which I if, talk about their September? I mean, if you're losing six games in two weeks to the Angels, I mean, I'm just saying, come on now. And you want to know the more twisted part of this season? Their next schedule uh, series, you just kind of talked about it, is a road trip to. The Big A, where they would take on the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They don't even call them that anymore. But they also end the year with a three-game series against the Angels, except this time it's at the Coliseum. Those six games, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, the Oakland A's get all six of those games. You're definitely going to be a Mets fan. That's for damn sure. No, we, I'm already not an Angel fan, so it doesn't I, even matter at this I, point. I was going to say, we know that that ship will have. It, I'm added. a UNLV baseball fan. We're staying. Like, I don't care anymore. I don't <laughs> care. I truthfully couldn't care less. I, I don't know why you want to do this every week, but I don't care anymore. I tr- I, I'm just checking. You know what's me. funny? I sound like one of those bitter exes. I keep saying I don't care, and all I do is talk about the Angels. <laughs> so what what would your reaction be if in fact the Angels lose six in a row to 
the athletics. I would be disgusted because it would mean that the Oakland Athletics in this wild 2022 that they have had, it would mean that they would have a 10 and 9 overall record against the Angels this year. That's something moving forward for the for the Athletics, right? That's true, but how much further can you move backwards if you're the Angels? I'm talking about the Athletics here. Like we're trying to build something positive for like 10 right. and 9 more against the divisional but that's good. You're right. You're right. You get, and you get a chance to add to, to your win total against Seattle as well, but yeah, I'm absolutely the bitter ex girlfriend. Oh, you most definitely are. You you almost you're almost the crazy. And you know what you know what's worse? I'm gonna be that worse bitter ex girlfriend because let's say that I do leave the Angels alone, like I keep saying that I am. Let's say the Angels win a title in the next three years. Oh, you about to be so I'm gonna be sick. Mo- gonna I'm be, gonna be sick. You're gonna be a mess. Fam, I that might be the only time you guys see me cry. That, that truthfully might just I, I wouldn't know how to explain it I wouldn't know if those are tears of joy If I'd be upset I wouldn't know what it would mean I do know that the Nationals are playing the Braves as we speak I can say one thing What? Listen, so you, you say about the next three years right mm-hmm. What if the Angels win a title Against the Mets in the World Series I'd throw up <laughs> you, I'd throw up and I'd look up And I'd say I see what you did there Your ex-team Beat your current team. Okay, yeah. I would ask you guys as a media company if you guys are cool with not covering baseball. Just as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I mean if the Angels win in the next three years, that's going to be funny on its own right. I agree. If they beat the Mets doing it in the World Series. How bad do you feel if you're the Moreno family and you sell and the Angels win right away? I think there's gonna be a lot of Angels fans that be like, "Oh, really? This is what y'all gonna do now?" You know what's funny? Tell me if I'm right in this because this is gonna sound really crazy. UNLV, I feel like has more history and tradition. However, the Angels they got a little bit as well, right? Let's let's just talk about it. In a weird way, the Angel fans remind me of UNLV baseball fans of UNLV basketball fans. They talk about that one championship. From 20 years ago, every great moment that you highlight, aside from Shohei Otani and and uh, Mike Trout, we understand that our pool's best years came, obviously, with the Cardinals. And, hell, they're still coming with the Cardinals. But you look at that situation and you look at the, the, the Angels' history and you go, oh, well, a lot of it is backlogged. What have you guys done recently? If I'm looking at that as a whole, I think a lot of fans are coming back after the sale of this team. I think a lot of people jump ship because they realize we can't spin around in the middle of the ocean. Something bad is going to happen if we keep spinning around in the middle of the ocean. You coming back? I might. I said that. Okay. If that sale is not completed soon, then you lost me. But it once I heard... That, that Artie was selling the team, I was like, well, let's do it. If we're doing that, and I might come back. You don't leave the Mets to come back? I told you, I don't even feel like I'm officially a Mets fan yet, because if the Mets win it all this year, I'm I'm not a Mets fan either. So what are you going to be a fan of if they do? To be honest with you, I told you guys, and this is why I'm not saying it now, but I said this years ago, Ronald Acuna is my probably next to uh, Mike Trout, probably my favorite player in the league. You better be a Padre fan, aren't you? The Braves won a championship, so I can't go to I can't go to the Braves. Am I going to be a Padres fan? I don't think my dad will let me back in the house. Probably not. 
Probably not. If I was a Padre or a Giant, I don't think he would let me back in. No, probably not. I was an Angel when he let me back in, though. It's a it's a little bit different. Yeah, you might be right. Like the Dodger fans, like they they kind of look at the Angels. They like, okay, yeah, that's supposed to be a rivalry, but I mean, come you on. know what's funny? I feel like I feel like with my dad. Shout out to my dad, but I feel like baseball. If I was a Giant fan, he would be like. Mm. If I was a Clipper fan, he would probably be like. Mm. He, he probably would laugh at me more in that sense. I think the real like damaging part to our relationship was if I came in the house and said that I was a New York Giant, Philadelphia Eagle, or a Washington football fan. I oh, think that's probably what my dad would be like. I don't know where I went, where I failed you at. Oh no, it'd be all at war. Like it's already war in the house, and we're like we're two NFC teams, and we're nowhere near each other, and we always beef over things that just don't matter. Anywho, speaking of things that don't matter, you want to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights preseason game? Let's do it. So they led one nothing headed into the third period. And then they started to go tonight again. What happened? I mean, it it, it look, it's the first preseason game. So right. I ain't, I'm not gonna come in here and be like fire alarm. No. I would hope not. Hell no. Um, That'd be a record for like a, a call in term a hot take in a season. First preseason game, hit the panic button. No. Not even, not even close. Probably could have did it with the athletics. Yeah, you really, you probably could have actually. Um, they told you you could have. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it felt just like one of those that they, the Knights, kind of got in their own way a lot last night, where they were kind of fighting the penalty kill. As far as them having to be on the penalty kill, they they were called for a lot of penalties and. I mean, if you give a team like Colorado enough chances, they are going to eventually beat you, especially if they're at home. And, I mean, I don't think they nece- the Knights necessarily played a, a terrible game by any means. I think they played a pretty solid opener. I mean, for being an opening game, this is the first game at game speed uh, for this season. I think, you, I think you look at it and you go, not bad. Um, obviously areas to improve on. They have a quick turnaround. Uh, they they can improve as soon as tonight um, when they take on, I believe, the L.A. Kings. But are you going to that game? I'll be there as a fan. Okay. Yeah, like yeah, that was kind of the last minute thing I looked. I was like, all right. I did the same thing last night when I was drawing up the show. Um, random, but I took a three hour nap before I came into the show today. And I know that sounds crazy because it's twelve o'clock noon. When did you wake up? I woke up at twelve midnight. I was up from 12 midnight to 11 this morning. That makes sense. Huh? So this is what happens when I take naps throughout the day. The aviators have had night games for, I don't know, three months, something like that on Sundays. And then they switch it up. We have a 12 o'clock game for the regular season uh, home finale. Not to mention the Raiders are at 10. So I wake up early. I'm at the house prepping for the Raider game to get ready to start watching the first quarter, to get to the ballpark, to finish that game, to start the next game. There's no way I should have fallen asleep on my couch yesterday at 6 o'clock. Or, excuse me, at 9 o'clock. Because I woke up three hours later at 12 o'clock and couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. So the reason why I said that was I was looking at this and I looked at the the quick turnaround for the eight, for the night, excuse me, and they only get three preseason games to begin with. So you don't get that much time to work through the kinks. But one of the kinks that I did want to try to highlight, if you could, was goalie play. Because we are going to see... Uh, I don't want to say an unfamiliar face. We're gonna see a familiar face, but you're not. You're gonna see a familiar face missing 
for majority of the season. That's what I'll say. Robin Leonard is expected to miss the entire season with his back surgery. Mark Stone had back surgery. Uh, what's Leonard's injury? Do you remember? Uh, it's driving me up a wall. Shoulder or hip? It's one of the things. Think it's hip. It's hip. It's hip, bro. I looked at it yesterday. Shout out to Dick Calver. We were talking about the uh, the Knights yesterday at the uh, Aviator game, but I believe it is his hip. Hip surgery. Yeah. Nice job, night reporter. Um, and by the way, complete sidebar. I was praying that you didn't send me a story for this. Preseason stories are brutal. I feel like we have to do it for football because you only get four. I think it's one of those, like, with hockey that, like, I mean, you're right. Like, preseason for hockey, like, I looked at tonight, I was like, I mean, I could go as media, but if I got the connect to go as a fan and just kick back and see what this team looks like, I mean, now's the time to do it for sure. If uh, you didn't go, I was going to ask I almost said the person's name But well, we, well I guess we can at this point Shout out to Garrett Yeah no I mean it, I didn't necessarily put in for it Like it was one of those that I didn't realize when the schedules kind of aligned up it, I didn't even think I was going to go to tonight Until like 11 o'clock this morning When <laughs> I saw like last You know last minute stuff I was like oh alright but we can make that work Yeah um, you got to a 7 tonight too Yeah exactly Um, And so yeah, I think preseason hockey, it's it's there. I, I do agree, though. Like, it, doing a story for it, I, I think it's better reserved for the regular season because it becomes more meaningful in the regular season. For sure. Everything matters in the regular season, and I think the one thing that you guys are going to see us do with the G League team is, is first of all, we're probably going to cover their preseason games in terms of story, mainly because it's your introduction to them. Correct. And the only other reason why we're doing Laker preseason games, is, come on, guys, you guys don't have an NBA team, so why wouldn't we? And they're going to be here for a couple of games anyway. They are, and we're going to get to the G League Ignite and the Lakers right after this topic. Actually, we got basketball the rest of the show to end this show. But going back to this, uh, to this Golden Knight preseason game, these goalie numbers, you want to talk about goalie play? You want to talk about where you encourage? You want to talk about this is just preseason games? This is a formality. Send people out there that you may have an eye on, but you know, God willing, injuries permitted that they probably won't be with your big league club this year. I mean, I was pretty encouraged by the the Knights goalie play last night. I mean, the, through the first two periods, they didn't. Um, I think it's uh, Patera, one of the two. I I probably botched the pronunci- pronunciation of that name. But is it Yiri or is it Jiri? I'm is, I'm guessing it's Yiri, right? I could uh, be wrong. Yiri. I, okay. Yeah, Yiri. I'm gonna guess that's Patera. I hope. Got you. Um, through the first two periods, he didn't allow a goal, and he allowed kind of a so-so goal to around the earlier portions of the third, and then. I think the other goal that he he allowed was on a power play. So to a certain degree, I don't know if I blame him for the second goal because it's already an odd man situation as it sits. And you're more susceptible if you're a goalie to allow some of those goals if it's a a situation where your team's on the penalty kill trying to kill off of a penalty. And so, I mean, for a guy that had limited experience of this Knights organization up until this point, pretty encouraged. And the other takeaway I had was really quick. I just wanted to go back to one point that you said. Both of his goals allowed were actually power play goals. So, so at even strength, if the Knights 
clean up the penalties at even strength. He's pretty good. And I think the other takeaway I had was I think this is probably a good rule of thumb just in general for the NHL preseason. It's going to take these offenses some time to get going. Like that was the biggest thing that I noticed watching that game last night was it wasn't for lack of opportunity that the Knights on offense for the Knights and really for Colorado as well. But then they were both generating very high, high quality chances to score. But I think because this is the first game back, this is one of those where this is the first time you're at game speed since last season. So that's why I always say like for preseason, you can say it for the NFL preseason, the NBA preseason, the offenses are going to take time to get going. They're going to take a few games to start clicking. So can we see a lot of these lower scoring games to start out the preseason for the NHL? I think so. I think tonight could be a low scoring game. I think I, I, I for one, I think the Knights could bounce back. It's the home open. There's a lot of energy for the Knights going into tonight. You have it being the first game at T-Mobile Arena for Bruce Cassidy on the bench. You have it being just the home opener. Um, even though it's a preseason, it's still the home opener for the 2022-23 season for the Golden Knights. Um, you have a Knights team that's coming off of a loss, so it's already typically a bounce-back spot to start with. And we're probably going to see Logan Thompson in net tonight. I would imagine if um, if Patera was playing last night, we imagine he's going to be, at least the, for the interim's sake, the backup goaltender to Logan Thompson. Again, uh, Laurent Brossois, um dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. Michael I, Hutchinson also was between the pipes yesterday as well. Yeah, and I believe that he – well, Hutchinson may have been for Colorado. I'm, Am I missing? I th- he may have been for Colorado. Unless – I could be wrong. Maybe Hutchinson did play for us. I'm, no, yeah. Okay, so much – for some reason I think it was Colorado. But I, in any case, I do think – Either Hutchinson or Patura will serve as that backup role to Logan Thompson, at least to start out the year while Brossois rehabs from injury. Uh, I believe Bros- they say Brossois is going to be back at some point during the year. The only one they have ruled out completely is Robin Leonard. So whether it's Patura, Logan Thompson, or Brossois, Knights fans will probably see a combo of the three throughout the season in some form or fashion. Um, and all are pretty decent options, to be honest. Like Ro- Logan or Laurent Brossois played pretty well during his time before he got injured. Right. We know how good Logan Thompson was, especially in the AHL where he really lit it up. And even the more games he played in the NHL, he started getting the hang of it. He started getting into Logan Thompson form and um, kind of looking as if he was back in his AHL days as far as improving game by game. And Can you say that a hockey lit it up? Can you say that a hockey goalie lit it up? Or do you say oh, he you can absolutely. From oh, no, you can. Um, no, you, you can say he lit it up because... <laughs> You you can say he lit it up because <laughs> yeah, but I I can see the other side too. I don't know, man. I try. That was kind. That was kind of good. I mean, yeah. for a hockey reference, that's, that's I thought good. it was. I thought it was decent. Yeah, I thought it was true. a decent one. I, I don't know, man. I could be wrong, but I thought it was a decent one. I mean, you can go either way. Uh, no. So I think like going into the night, I could honestly see two one, three one nights, something like that. Again, it's low scoring. I think the chances will be there, but again, there's so much energy around tonight as a whole that it almost might feel like the Knights still have some of those jitters they're trying to get out because they know it's Bruce's first game at T-Mobile. There's 
it's the home opener. Like we're on home ice for the first time. You may get those chances that maybe doink off the post a little bit. That they're there, you, they just don't go in as if they would in practice. So I have a question because we talk about it all the time. With Kelsey Plum is one of the main people that talk about it all the time. Shout out to the women's national team as well. Team Dude, USA, one hundred forty-five oh points. God, new record for that institution. Oh my God. I don't know, man. I don't know if you can. I don't. I don't know, man. Point blank, they beat the dog shit out of them. Like that was bad. <laughs> Who was it? Korea, I think. Right. I don't remember. You might be right. And I think it, I think it was Korea. I think it was one forty-five to sixty-nine. Oh my god! This team is unfair, by the way. In Australia, it's, it's not close. You could shut down the whole thing. Give it to the USA. Like it's it's unfair. The type of team they have. This is completely random. We're getting into basketball now, but if you take that women's national team and you go 15 years backwards and then you just foreshadow and you go 15 years forward, we are in the middle of a historic time. We, we might be in the middle of what the women's national team did for soccer yeah. on the women's side. We may be in the middle of that. So we'll get to that in a second. But... Um, hell, we might get to it now. Did I have another point for this? I do. Uh, you you mentioned the the jitters, right? That you may see from a it being another po- a preseason game, b it being a home opener, preseason or not. C your coach is in this building for the first time on the bench. So, all things considered, going back to the Kelsey Plum point, sometimes shots don't go in, right? So you talked about some 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 uh pucks that are probably going to be doinked off the pipes. I think they will be. I'll tell you one thing that it cannot be. Colorado had nine power play opportunities in the first preseason game. That's something you can clean up. Yeah. And I mean, it may not be completely cleaned up going into tonight because of the quick turnaround, but it's some, it's one of those that you can make strides forward. Like, you know, I'm not going to say sit here and say, yeah, they had, uh, they gave Colorado nine power play opportunities. They're going to cut that to zero tonight. Like that to me, I think is unreasonable given that it's a 24 hour turnaround, literally from start of game one to start of game two. Now it's one of those that's like, okay, we gave up nine last night. I, I We get zeros kind of unrealistic in this short time. Let's get it down to five or six and just say, okay, the first game we gave up nine. This game we gave up five or six. Maybe the third game we give up two or three and show that steadily over time you are making strides forward in that department to get better. We'll see what happens tonight. They take on the Kings from the T-Mobile Arena at 7 p.m. Matt will be there. Yeah. Not working, though. So I don't know if he wants you to come say hi to him or not. But <laughs> Not many Knights fans do. <laughs> they ain't like it, be they like. Oh, that no, is no. a very good point. They, they Nobody wants to talk to you in there anyway. Probably not. Uh, it's all good. It's all maybe good. you'll have better luck at the Dollar Loan Center this fall because the G League Ignite kick off their inaugural season here in Las Vegas. It actually starts with a couple of preseason games in October. That means we're right around the corner from it. October fourth and October sixth. That is a Tuesday and a Thursday. They will host the Metropolitan, excuse me, the Metropolitan's 92s of Paris. And if you guys are wondering why the Metropolitan's 92 may sound familiar, that is because that is currently the team of Victor Winbayama, who has caught a lot of attention on social media as of late. And now we, if you are in Vegas, we all get an opportunity to see him 
We'll see if he plays both games. But we'll get an opportunity to see him on Tuesday, October 4th, in addition to Thursday, October 6th. The season for the G League Ignite is actually set to start a month from the first preseason game. It's set to start Friday, November 4th. It opens up against, or the season opens up rather, at the Dollar Loan Center against the Oklahoma City Blue. We talked about it a second ago. T-Mobile Arena will also house a couple of preseason games for the Los Angeles Lakers. They have two on back-to-back nights, October 5th and 6th. So that's the Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, the same Thursday we were just talking about with the G League Ignite against the Metropolitan 92. Uh, the Lakers will actually play the Phoenix Suns and the Minnesota Timberwolves in back-to-back games. How excited am I to see Patrick Beverly against Minnesota? <laughs> If you're not excited to watch Patrick Beverly just play basketball in general, I mean he's gonna he's gonna have to play basketball with Russell Westbrook. They need their own reality show. They really do. I'm here. For and the it. funny thing is, Russ Russ looks like a great teammate. And um, media day started today around the league, and uh, I know that uh, Pat Beverly told a Russell Westbrook story. I didn't actually get to the video yet, but um, Russ seems like a great teammate. I, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I remember covering USA Basketball, and when we were getting ready to interview Paul George, Russ walked over, and right before the media scrum started, he was like, tell him how I'm a bad teammate. Tell him how you don't want to play with me. Like, tell him that's what they want to hear. That's the narrative. And PG was laughing, and PG was basically saying that this was the same season that PG uh, had that party in Oklahoma City at midnight and re-upped with the Thunder in that moment. Um... He said Russ as a teammate really led to that and why he wanted to come back. Patrick Beverly has said that since being a Laker, Russell Westbrook has been his best friend. I I could believe it. <laughs> I could believe it. As, as mentioned before, I think if you ask Russ about it today, the interesting thing is I think Russ would look at you and say, I just want to win. If this is a guy that you guys say is going to help us win, there's how many, 200 other guys in the league that I can use this anger and fuel toward. No reason to use it toward the guy that's on my team, one of the guys that's on my team. And on top of that, one of the 13 guys that's on my team. But we'll see what this Laker team looks like. They have preseason games October 3rd, 5th, 6th, 9th, 12th, and 14th before the regular season is set to start. Those two preseason games on the 5th and 6th, both at 7 p.m., will take place from the T-Mobile Arena. Have you caught a Laker game out here yet? I did. It was God. It had to have been at least five or six years ago when they were playing Golden State. Okay, okay. I, I caught a Golden State game as well. I don't know if it was that long ago. Maybe it was four years ago. Uh, maybe th- nah, maybe three. Hell, whatever. It'll come to me eventually. But um, preseason game. But I, I, Golden State was there, so. It was one of those opportunities where if you're here in Las Vegas, I do suggest that you get out and check out one of these, if not both of these preseason games for the Lakers and or the G League G League Ignite. And the main reason why I say that is because there was a moment where I'm covering a preseason game and I was taking my own pictures at the time. And I'm sitting at the desk or I actually I lied, I may have been front row and I'm taking pictures and it may have been a moment where I'm checking, I'm sorting through my pictures and it, it kind of hit me and I'm like, fam. On the court right now, we have 
I'm not even sure if Clay was playing at the time, but we have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and LeBron James. I don't care that this is a preseason game. So if you guys can make it out to these preseason games, please do so. I suggest you do. In addition to that, another thing that you guys may want to get out to, and that is the Running Rebel sneak peek, which is set for Friday, October 7th at 6 p.m. It is free and open to the public. It's going to be an event at the Thomas and Mack Center, which will feature the UNLV men's basketball team. And fans will get an opportunity to watch the team in action, meet the guys, and win prizes. For UNLV students, you'll have free food in, in attendance. You'll also get a chance to win a pair of tickets to check out Joyner Lucas. Shout out to Joyner Lucas. Uh, the first 1,000 fans in attendance will receive a free T-shirt. We talked about Kevin Kruger being one of those guys that's going to give back to uh, the community. And I think... This is this is this is where it begins. We we've done uh what was it, Scarlet and Gray scrimmages before, right? We've uh done similar to what Kevin Kruger has mentioned with this one. This is similar to a midnight madness type of scenario. So this is an opportunity for you guys to come out, see this team, uh, meet the guys individually, see what the what, what characters we're gonna have on this year's team. And it's a team who just opened up practice today. Did you go to practice today? I did. I sent you the schedule. I didn't know if you wanted to. I didn't I wasn't going today, so I just didn't know if you were. But um not to sound like that, man, but it's the first of many. We are headed into a new season for college basketball. So this is now, as I mentioned before, we had six local topics, local news topics. Typically around fall, we get the Raiders, right? And that's once a week. We get two times a week, depending on if they have a short week. But we got the Raiders. We got the Golden Knights. And then we would have the NBA Weekly Wrap. So we had, we've been having discussions all day about whether we're going to keep that going now that we have a team uh married of sorts to the nba we're trying to de decide what we're doing with the nba weekly rap however now we're headed into just a different version of this fall you know what i mean so now we're gonna have local news segments that last a little bit longer because we do have unlv football we do have unlv basketball starting soon but we do have the raiders we do have the vegas golden knights and now we have the g league g league ignite I don't know, man. You, you talk about uh, you talk about um, being spoiled in this city, right? And I heard somebody say after the Aces won their first champion, won their championship, rather, that um, they remember when Las Vegas was just and they named like three things, and the Adventure Dome was one of them. And as a tourist to Vegas before I got here, the Adventure Dome shouldn't be your go-to. And when I came out here and I and I seen that tweet, obviously, I was like, wow, like it was obviously something to see this city respond the way that it has over the last week with the Las Vegas Aces winning a, a, uh, the first professional title for Las Vegas. But I've had just as much fun just watching the city of Vegas get used to it. Like it's just it's been a new feeling for for you guys and I've I, like as I've said before I've kind of just enjoyed watching it so we're heading into a new season no pun intended and it's just it's, it's a series of possibilities man who knows what's coming my dad did give me a heads up on which uh, <laughs> on which teams would keep me from being able to go back home and those two teams would be the San Francisco Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Fair enough. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. <laughs>